0: Welcome to Landlife, a podcast for North Coast landholders by North Coast Local Land Services. We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we live, work, and play. From Bunjalang, Gittable, and Gumbangia country in the north, to Yagal, Dungari, and Biripai country in the south, we pay respects to the people and elders, past, present, and emerging, across all the countries on which we work, and extend that respect to Aboriginal people listening to this podcast. Horses are one of those animals that inspire awe by their simple existence. We've got plenty of horse lovers here on the North Coast, and for many, the animal's welfare is often more important than their own. But when horses run wild in our fragile and threatened ecosystems, their environmental impacts can be significant. Local Land Services has a biosecurity duty to manage populations of wild horses on the North Coast, and we're fortunate that most herds are still quite small. We're also lucky to have passionate organisations working alongside our biosecurity team to rehome these animals. In the last few months, we've worked with Brumby Rescue to rehome four horses from the Corindy area and another three mares from the Pillow Valley. In today's episode, Senior Biosecurity Officer Tiffany Felton talks to Jess Simons of the New England Brumby Sanctuary about the role the sanctuary plays in rehoming these horses and where they end up. Coast Local Land Services
1: have been working with you at New England Brumby Rescue since early this year. Would you mind telling us how the New England Brumby Sanctuary came about? The New England Brumby
2: Sanctuary is actually um, a partner sanctuary um, that is owned by a charity called Save the Brumbies. Um, Save the Brumbies actually have another sanctuary down in Bellingen called Mountain Time. Um, so the New England Brumby Sanctuary has been around for, it's around about 12 years now, I think, Um, was purchased by Save the Brumbies and another Brumby advocate named Jill Pickering down in Victoria. So they partnered up together, purchased the property um, and put some facilities in with the intention of um, obviously bringing the Brumbies in and handling them and homing them on.
1: And look, and I was lucky enough to work with some of your volunteers uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, that were very good with horses. You could tell that they had uh, experience with dealing with the wild horses. Do you have a process in vetting volunteers and 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 the possible homes that you get for these horses?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of discussions that go backwards and forwards. Um, Lucy and I will ask a lot of questions over a series of conversations with people um, just to try and nut out whether or not, you know, what they're actually telling us initially is, you know, coming from a place of their heart, it's, it's a place of truth. You know, you can nut out people that may not have the best of intentions pretty quickly by asking the same questions in different words. Um, yeah, so there is quite a huge process that goes in. There's forms that they need to fill out, um, liability
0: waivers and things like that as well. Key to the successful management of wild horses on the north coast is the role landholders play in their management. Three mares that were recently rehomed in the Pillar Valley had been living on a property owned by Jenny and Tavis Oceans, who spoke to biosecurity officer Sean Freeney about their desire to see these animals move into a better environment.
3: We arrived back at our property in Pillar Valley a few weeks ago, and as soon as we opened our gate and settled into the house, the next morning we had four horses on our property, happily eating the fresh, lush, green grass. And, you know, at the beginning, we're like, wow, awesome horses. They're free lawn mowing. Uh, We've got manure to start our compost. We thought it was uh, a great idea and then by day three we realised they were drinking all our water, our precious tank water, the grass was getting pretty short and we took a a walk around the rest of our property which is uh, registered as Land for Wildlife and we noticed uh, like horse hoofs in the mud and uh, most of our dams were really empty and, and we felt like the horses were actually doing quite a bit of damage and we could see they'd been on our land for quite some time. So that's when we thought we're not going to release them and invite them back. We, we need to, to do something about these horses and see if, you know, what the best way to, you know, what the best thing to do with these wild horses were and that's when we contacted you guys at um, LLS.
4: And so, once you got in contact with us, uh, we, we sort of made the, um, the choice to go out myself and uh, Tiffany Felton went out to, to your property and just had that initial um, assessment of the horses just to um, ascertain whether they were wild or not. When we arrived, we noticed that there were three present and the uh, the fourth, which was the stallion, wasn't with them at that time. So we had a look um, and a bit of an interaction with the horses and started to start the process of putting out some uh, feed for them, which is, is the way we sort of work to try and get them into the trap. So at this stage, we had discussed a bit with the stallion just about the, the behaviour of the stallion and if potentially um, – if it it was a bit erratic and there was um, potential safety risks which can occur when trying to um, trap horses. Once we sort of had that discussion about that that stallion, did you want to discuss what, what actions you took as a landholder after having that discussion with us?
5: Can I jump in there, Sean? It's Tavis here. Your advice and experience was spot on. The stallion was a, how would you say, it was an aggressor um very much in the way it behaved along the fence line it would it would stomp and charge the horse was aggressive and basically upsetting the three mares that we had trapped in the in the front top paddock so you know you guys had advised initially that to eliminate the horse was probably the best procedure and going to going to make the rehoming of the other horses a lot smoother process On saturday morning we did that and it was you know it was the right size equipment to do that with to be honest the the mares just settled down straight after that we were began to be able to hand feed them they'd calmed right down you guys came and removed the stallion quickly it's appreciated And so, yeah, no, it was good
4: advice and made the whole process go super smooth, our end. You were confident in undertaking that and that, as you said, you had the right equipment and you were confident and it was within your capabilities.
5: Yeah, the the best part was is the mares and the way they
4: calmed down
5: once the stallion had been euthanized. It was definitely the right thing to do in that respect.
4: That's great. Um and we at the LLS really really aim to work with the landholders and to the best of our abilities to rehouse the wild horses if it is possible.
3: Yeah, so when the four horses first came onto our land, it was the three mares and the the stallion, and straight away the stallion was aggressive towards us and he was sort of running and stomping, running and stopping and the the gray, the small gray horse, we also assume was a, a male as well was copying him and they were both running towards us and we felt quite um, unsafe with the horses. So we tried to sort of shoo them off and the stallion ran out the gate but the other three ran along the inside of the gate. So that's, what, that's when we just closed the gate. So we left him on the outside and we kept the three on the inside and literally like overnight the small uh, horse and the two other mares were just calm. And then again, after Tavis uh, euthanised the the stallion when he was uh, walking the perimeter, causing trouble too, they became even calmer again.
4: Yeah. And that's um, usually the case is that um, there's one, uh, one's a bit more aggressive and stirs up the others. So, that's, that's always um, good that they calm down after. Um, I might just go on to a bit um, as to what steps we sort of took to trap them. So we had that initial interaction with, um, with uh, Jen and Tavis and – once with that interaction, we also brought out some hay for them, and that was just to start the pre-feeding with with trapping of any any um, uh, feral or, or wild a wild horse or feral animal. You you do um, a lot of pre-feeding to get them comfortable, um, and to get them uh, lure them into the trap. So the trap we used was roughly about thirty thirty um, stockyard panels, and we set it up in a circular fashion with a with a gate to um, and a run to for the, uh, truck to back up onto. Um, so we set it up in a circular fashion just so that way the horses had no, no corners to sort of run at and hurt themselves. And once we set up the panels, we actually quickly, um, were able to get the horses inside. So we, we did this by, um, filling up, um, some providing some water for them inside the, inside the, um, inside the trap and also putting out some feed. Um, so as we, as we, um, lured them into the, into the trap. We just um, closed the panel behind them and they were only in there for basically overnight before we were able to work with Brumby Rescue to get them uh, to to come out and uh, collect the three three horses.
0: Jenny and Tavis are passionate about their native species and being supported to humanely relocate these horses has clearly been a win-win for all involved. Brumby Rescue were able to report a positive outcome for these mares in their conversation with Tiffany Felton a matter of weeks after relocation.
2: Um, Rhiannon and um, her partner, the volunteers that you met the other day, they actually do all our transport for us. Um, they've been absolutely fantastic. And I will give you some news as well. The, the Pillar Valley um, mares that they picked up the other day, they've actually decided to keep them with our blessing. Um, they've actually homed all three of them. Two mares and a filly and one of the mares, one of the larger mares, actually had a foal. She had a little colt foal a few days ago. Um, so it was perfect timing in the sense that we've obviously taken them out of the situation they were in and put them into a safe environment um, where they felt safe enough that they could actually foal. Um, the other one's looking like she might be a little way off yet.
1: Yes, it was certainly very lucky for that colt. Um, we're so happy that uh, that he was in. Well, the mare was in rescue when she foaled and and not out, not just out in the paddock somewhere unsupervised.
2: Oh, so much can go wrong. Absolutely, you know. He and he's so loved by their whole
1: family. Oh, that's terrific. So, so with part of rescuing um, the male horses, so and I certainly know at Corindi there we. Sent, I think four uh, of the wild horses to, to rescue, and and two of those were stallions. Uh, do you make arrangements for those to get gelded?
2: Absolutely. So we um we have a policy that we won't have any stallions on the sanctuary. Um, there's enough horses in the world as far as we're concerned, and um we don't advocate for breeding brumbies in captivity. It's just it's Yeah, as I said, there's enough horses in the world. We don't need to contribute any more. You know, we'd rather be part of the solution and not part of the problem. So those two stallions that came in, um, one of them came in a few weeks before the other one, and we knew that you guys were trying to bring him in as well. So we actually held on to the first stallion for a little while um, as a stallion, but he was kept in – quite high um, security in the sense that he was in, I think they're like eight foot high fencing um, and he was closely monitored. He didn't show any signs of being real stalliony, y um, So you could actually get in the yards with him. I I put a halter on him. I had him leading around um, within two sort of half-an-hour training sessions over a period of a couple of days. So he was a really quiet one. We were happy to keep him as a stallion for a little while um, until we got that other fella in and then we organised for both of them to be gelded. So have those uh, four from Corindi found homes? The little grey mare who had her little foal at foot, her foal's since been weaned, um, and she's actually at the sanctuary still when she came in she was very very skinny um the foal had the foal was basically taking all of the nutrients from her he was at an age where he was able to be weaned and it happened very quickly very calmly she was ready he was ready and it was just a matter of um just slowly separating them over a a period of a couple of weeks and She needed some rehabilitation in the sense that, as I said, she was very skinny, so we did need to feed her back up. And it's a bit of a process feeding them up as well. You can't just, you know, put them on hay straight away, you know, and just let them have access to it, um, that you can cause things like colic. So we had to do quite a slow process with her. Um, and because of the trauma of all of that, you know, being moved with her foal and and then being weaned and and being so undernourished, we've turned her out on the sanctuary and she's actually out with a couple of um, Guy Fawkes mares who are residents with us. They won't ever be homed on. She's out there with them just being a horse and, you know, coming back down off that motherhood role and in the new year she will more than likely come in and start to be handled again. She does have a sponsor who, um, who lives locally in the Armadale area who comes out to visit. Um, she's growing quite the bond with her and it is, I believe, the intention that she will be adopted in with her at some point, um, but we want to do what's best for the little mare.
1: Yeah, oh, for sure. Oh, well, look, well, thank you, Jess. I really appreciate the time you've taken today to, to talk with me. And, and personally, I'd like to thank you and your volunteers, especially the transporters, Rhiannon and, and Jordan, who assisted us with the uh, the recent Brumbies there at, uh, at Pillar Valley. Uh, so, yeah, so thank you very much for your time today. And, uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. Not a problem at all. And you can actually get on as well onto Facebook,
2: the New England Brumby Sanctuary. I'm no I'm no writer, but I do get on and write occasional poems. Um, and the little grey the little grey Corindi foal um, that came in from Corindy Beach, I've actually written a really lovely poem about him. Um, so yeah, get in and check that out, and um, let me know what you think.
1: Beautiful. I will. Thank you very much, Jess. Appreciate it.
2: No worries at all. Tiff, you have a lovely day.
0: Partnerships with landholders and community organisations have proven to result in excellent outcomes for all involved in this case. If you have issues with feral animals on your property and you need some help, call your nearest local land services office on 1300 795 299 to speak to a biosecurity officer. The New England Brumby Sanctuary relies solely on donations, which you can make through the link in the show notes. And in case the Land for Wildlife program piqued your interest, there's a link to more info there too. podcast is jointly funded through North Coast Local Land Services and the Australian Government's National Land Care Programme.